We're going to read the Bible now, so if you want to get out your church Bibles, we're going to have two readings. The first one is in Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, starting at verse 1, I'm going to 11, verse 6. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offences to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the end, at the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Woe to the land whose king was a servant, whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth, and whose princes eat at a proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness the rafters sag, because of idle hands the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not, do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know what, which will, will succeed whether this or that, whether both will do equally well. Our second reading is in Matthew, and we're in Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is God's word. Thanks very much for reading. Uh, if we've not met, my name is Matt Fuller. It'd be lovely to uh, meet you afterwards. Uh, but we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, having been in the sun all day, there's more sun for you. Let's uh, pray as we begin together. 
Father, for those of us who have had opportunities, very pleasant, uh, mucking about, lounging around in the sun, we leave it and think, ah, that was good for us. We enjoyed that. Father, as we come and we gather around your word, our prayer, my prayer would certainly be that everyone leaves this building tonight saying, it was good. It was good for me. It was good for us to hear the word of God. It's good for our souls. It was good for our lives. It was good for the honor of your name. Father, would we leave here saying it was good because we heard you speak the words that we needed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're in Ecclesiastes, um, so do turn back there if you've let that go. Page 677, really, is where we spend our time. And uh, essentially, that, that chapter, uh, chapter 10 into 11, what, we're, what the writer is going to say tonight is that the world is an uncertain place, if you didn't know. There is uncertainty in the world. So I, uh, knowing that that was kind of what Ecclesiastes is about, I've gathered a few headlines this week, and uh, my papers tell me that BHS employees face an uncertain future. What's going to happen to the company? What's going to happen to their pensions? Leicester City, despite their triumph, Leicester City are uncertain if their top players will remain next year. Ooh. Um, more slightly nerdy, the uh, Office of Budget Responsibility warned the nation's finances are uncertain even before the fears of Brexit are accounted for. That's not a snappy headline, is it? You know that wasn't the sun. Um, but there's uncertainty in our finances. Now, that's not news to you that you can't know the future, but that's what really the writer wants to ram home tonight. And in a year when all sorts of things happen, when Donald Trump can become the Republicans' candidate, who would have thought it? When Gary Lineker would present Match of the Day in his underpants, who would have thought it? There is much in life which is uncertain. And so the writer in Ecclesiastes 10 will, will say, well, how do you live then? What do you do in the face of uncertainty? Or how do you live in an uncertain world? And I don't want to be oversimplistic, but essentially he's going to say... I'll have a go. Trust the Lord and have a go. Now, I'm very disappointed. The, uh, uh, there it is, if in case you're uncertain what those words mean. Um, and if you are joining us, and if you've been with us for the whole of Ecclesiastes, there is a sort of mild disappointment, mild disappointment for you this evening in the sense you may have noticed that nothing in chapter 10 is meaningless. Which, given that that is in one sense the overwhelming or certainly the dominant word of the book, 37 times, everything is meaningless. And every week I've tried to give you a new word for meaningless. Well, the word isn't there, so I can't give you a new word or translate it differently. So we'll have a go. That's what's going to appear and we'll work with tonight. But if you are joining us for the first time, Ecclesiastes then, the teacher is on a quest to discover, well, how to live in this world. What is purpose? What is meaning? How do you be satisfied. How can you be satisfied when everything is so fleeting? And uh, you get a refrain throughout the book at the end of chapter 2, end of chapter 5, end of chapter 8 almost. You get, let me read you chapter 8 verse 15 is sort of a, a shortened version of, version of the refrain that comes at the end of every section. Chapter 8 verse 15. I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun to eat and drink and be glad. The joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. 
And he's building now in this final section, uh, chapters 9 to the end, to his conclusion, uh, chapter 12, 13. Chapter 12, verse 13, we'll get there next week. But here's the conclusion. In one sense, here is his summary of all he's learned in how you live in this world. Chapter 12, verse 13, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. So we've been saying as we've gone along, a summary, you can get a summary in this sort of equation. I don't know if we've got it for one last time, perhaps. Uh, he, the writer's going to say, look, as I've observed life, satisfaction is a combination of these. It's meaning plus pleasure. And in particular, it's a meaning that death doesn't destroy. Because many things in this life we can achieve, but death wipes them out. You might achieve great financial success, sporting success, career success. At the end of it, who cares when you get put in your box? So satisfaction is meaning plus pleasure, knowing that all that life gives you is a, all that you have in life is a gift. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. But it's not the most important thing. It'll never satisfy you. And gifts come and they go. So don't invest too much in the gifts of whatever it may be, physical appearance, money, career, whatever it may be. Accept them all as gifts. He's asserted then that uh, what you need to know in this life is that God is in charge. And he's still in this section dealing with exceptions. So in our passage tonight, he's still looking at exceptions. If God is in charge, why does the world look so chaotic? Why do we get very poor rulers sometimes? If God is in charge, why isn't life always a bit more stable, predictable? He's looking at exceptions. Let's look at the, uh, the issue gets introduced, I think, in chapter 9, verse 18. Here's the, he's beginning to sort of to raise this question. Uh, wisdom is better than weapons of war, chapter 9, 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Oh. So you can be incredibly wise. You can maybe have a company. You maybe have a school where all the staff are terrific and they build something really good, but one person just completely destroys its reputation. And you think, well, what was the point of all of us investing so much in that? You get the same concept in chapter 10, verse 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Wisdom is a sweet perfume. It's a sweet perfume. It's like an incense burner. It makes life pleasant. It smells good. But then the fly comes along, gets stuck in it and dies and rots. And what was a very nice smelling thing is now unpleasant. I'm just going to read you this because it made me smile. Uh, This is the King James translation, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies cause the ointment of an apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. It's the same truth, but I just enjoyed that. I give you that just for no reason, uh, apart from my pleasure. But you see the writer saying, okay, so wisdom is great, but it can be destroyed by folly so quickly. Just one man's folly can ruin everything. So what's the point in trying to live a wise life? Things just go wrong all the time. You may as well just sort of retreat into your house and lock the door and stockpile with tins of spam and peas and, and sweet corn and never go out and, and, and just hide away because it's so uncertain out there. It's dangerous out there. Is that the way to live? No. You'll be pleased to know you don't have to eat 
peas and spam all the rest of your life. No. No. So verse 10, excuse me, uh, chapter 10, verse 2. Here's, a, here's a, a, a verse, of course, for those who love their politics. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. There we go. That's why, that's why the Donald is clearly doing very well uh, in the United States at the moment. Now, it's not a political comment, obviously. Obviously, it's not a politics comment. Uh, culturally, the right hand, the right hand is the place of well, your lieutenant. It's the hand of blessing. Jesus sits at the Father's right hand because he is his lieutenant, his, his heir, as it were, in one sense. It's the place of blessing. Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, the sheep are at the right hand. It's the place of blessing. It's the place of goodness. It, but it's the place your lieutenant is, the place of wisdom. So if you're the right hand, you're ready for action. That's the contrast uh, being drawn here. So what do you do? Well, the wise man is, well, just ready for action, is prepared, in other words. By contrast, verse 3, the fool, well, they very quickly reveal themselves. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Like many of the tourists in Mayfair, you sort of try and cycle around, and they're just in the middle of the road, and you honk them, and they go, you know, stupid people. They're all, that's what they're, it's that, I'm sure it's talking about that and me and cycling. So he introduces it and says, okay, well, I've tried being wise, but then things go wrong. So now what do I do? No, no, it is always, even in an uncertain world, you try wisdom. Even in a place of uncertain world, you, you have a go. In fact, what he's going to get to is chapter 11 and verses 1 to 6, which really do say, have a go. Now, let me just throw in a caution before we get... He's not talking about mindless optimism. This is not staring at yourself in the mirror and saying, it's a, it's a dangerous world out there, but I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm a tiger, I'm going to have a go. And working yourself up. It's not that sort of just mindless mantra optimism. So I quite enjoyed this. It's not that. That's foolish optimism. Little monkey catching little, little big fat elephant on front of It's not that. It's not ridiculous optimism. Well, I may only be whatever, a 25-year-old, but I'm going to take on the whole of Iraq on my own and go and solve the problem out there. No, it's not stupid optimism. But just being active. So perhaps this is a little bit better. I was trying to find something. It's just that. Life is uncertain. But secondly... You, you, do, you do your due diligence. You do sort of think about what options you've got. But then thirdly, you trust God and have a go. That's really where we end up in chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Yes, the future is uncertain. Yes, you need to be shrewd and, and plan a little bit. But for goodness sake, have a go. Don't be paralyzed by uncertainty. So look, we're going to punch through most of the text quite quickly, uh, I hope. Uh, he's going to say this. Leaders may be fools, yes. Risks may be real, yes. Talk may be cheap, yes. Leaders may be idle, yes. But still be bold and have a go. There are all sorts of things go wrong in this world. I know that. But still be bold and have a go. Okay? Let's work through it. First then, verses 4 to 7. Leaders, they may be fools. There are a lot of poor leaders in the world, says the teacher. Uh, chapter 10, verse 4, 4 to 7, we're looking. If a ruler's anger rises against you, 
Do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. So that's just uh, wisdom, isn't it? You know, if your boss is, is angry with you, don't respond immediately with anger. Don't be piqued. Why are you being so unreasonable and resign? Actually, when one person is angry, the solution is not to have two people angry. You can calm things down. That's what he's saying, of course. Of course, there's realism in that. Verses 5 to 7, sometimes you get people promoted above their competence. Staff of CCM, you'd be quiet. <laughs> Chapter 10, verse 5. There is an evil I've seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot. Like slaves. Fools are in high positions. Now what's he saying here, verse 6 and 7? Horses are the military technology of the day. They are your tanks, they are your missiles, they are your drones, they are your military prowess, horses. If you're born into a noble family, from birth you are taught how to ride a horse, compete on a horse. You're a noble, you're taught horsemanship and fighting. Not like that, that's handbags, isn't it? Um, Proper um, uh, fighting. If you're born in poverty, you are not. You are not taught to ride a horse. You are not taught how to hold a sword. So if you put someone who's not taught any of these things in command of an army in the military, it goes badly wrong. I guess it's a bit like someone coming to you or me and saying, look, there's a new fighter plane. It costs the British government 70 million. Have a go. And we say, well, yes, I think I will have a go. I've played computer games and in my, in my bedroom, and I can do this, and I can use a joystick, and I'll have a go. And what happens is a disaster. Well, if you could turn the thing on, that would be a start, wouldn't it? But you can't, no one is going to put you in charge of a 70 million pound plane. Don't put someone in charge of the whole military who's never ridden a horse. Don't promote someone above their competence. So wisdom knows when to encourage someone to step up into a new role when something is just beyond them. The fool overstretches himself. The fool overpromotes others, and that's a very miserable place to be when you've got a Muppet in charge who doesn't know what they're talking about. When I was a school teacher, uh, we had one head teacher, one of the schools I was working at, the the head teacher retired, uh, and a new guy was appointed. And uh, he started on the 1st of August, technically, um, you know, a month before the, the kids arrived, he, he started on the 1st of August and he handed his notice at the end of the day. Because on the first day he thought, well, this is a very big school. Uh, I can't run this school. Uh, I'm not equipped. Now, at that point, he's that foolishness of wisdom. I mean, he's a fool to have gone for the job, but at least he's wise enough to realize quite quickly um, and uh, press eject. So he's just saying, that, yeah, look, leaders may be fools. You may be in that sort of world. You try to avoid it as best you can, but sometimes it's like that. Second little thing, risks may be real in life, but again, you don't want to be paralyzed by them. So verse 8, verses 8 to 11. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Yes, they might. That's possible. Whoever breaks through a wall might be bitten by a snake. That is possible. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Yes, that can happen. Whoever splits logs may be in danger by them. All those things, I guess, are entirely possible. You might modernize it. Every time you put a, a nail into the wall, you might hit a water pipe. Yes, you might. Or an electric line. Yes, you might. Those things are entirely possible. But please don't let that ever stop you putting a nail in the wall. 
These is real. They are real risks. But for goodness sake, get them in balance. Don't overstate them. Don't be paralyzed by them. And I guess you might suggest that as is a occasionally a feeble culture. Now, in the, in the absence of, uh, so someone in the absence of our senior administrator, I don't want to have a pop at health and safety because that's a good thing and, and uh, I'd be told off for doing that. But occasionally these things, of course, you, you uh, read an article, I read one about a month ago, that tell you about some of the labeling and it's just absurd. So here are some of the labels they quoted. You could buy a new iron. It comes attached with a label. Do not iron garments while you are wearing them. <laughs> a new iPod came with a label. Do not eat your new iPod. My favorite, there was a moisturizer. Avoid contact with eyes, ears, or the brain and surrounding membranes. <laughs> now, of course, there are risks. But you're going to spell out every risk. You know, you see someone there in, in, in Apple in California, right? What are we going to write on the blurb? How it operates, how fast, how it goes slow? Or do tell them not to eat it. Or must tell them not to eat it. Why? That is not my first inclination. Don't be powerful. Yes, things can go wrong. Of course, there are risks in life. Every time you choose to do something, every time you cross the road, there's a risk. But for goodness sake, don't be paralyzed. But alongside that, verse 10 would say, oh, you plan a little bit. Verse 10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Look, if you've got to chop down a tree and you pick up an axe without thinking, it'll take a lot more effort. It'll take you much longer. If you spend a couple of minutes sharpening the axe, you'll, you'll do the job faster. It's just, I mean, plan a little bit. That helps. If you decide you're going to hire a car and drive to Edinburgh, put some petrol in. That's just really useful. Saves you sort of conking out halfway. 800,000 people apparently in the UK every year conk out of petrol. Anyway, that's what they do. Um, that's an extraordinary figure uh, read in the, in the press. Okay, you just plan a little bit. You're going to buy a car like Nathan. Do some research. Take someone competent with you to buy a car. You're going to buy a flat. Do your due diligence. Plan ahead. You're getting married. Sort out your expectations. Plan a little bit. That's what he's saying. You can save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of effort by planning. But alongside that, verse 11 will take, the, in one sense, the opposite angle and essentially say, oh, get on with it. Verse 11. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. So you imagine the picture, there is the snake charmer in the square, and he's thinking, right, what do I need? Uh, snake, got my snake. Um, fluty thing, whatever they play, got my fluty thing. Uh, clarinets, probably not, is it? Oboe, probably not, but something like that. Recorder, whatever, what do they play? What do snake charmers play? Pipe, thank you. Um, okay, got my snake, got my pipe. Um, what else do I need? I'm um, sure there's something else. Hat, hats to put out in front of people so they can throw their coins in. Hat, audience. Okay, got an audience, and then he's bitten and dies. And you think you really should have got on with charming the snake? It is a cobra. They're grumpy fellas, and they kill. So that's what he's saying here. For goodness' sake, at some point you've got to get on with it. So verse ten, think through your plans. Verse eleven, get on with it. Which is the correct thing to do? 
is the correct thing to think through your plans or just to get on with it? Which is correct? Yes. That's what he's saying. Wisdom is knowing the difference between a little bit of planning and then getting on with it. In one sense, wisdom is also knowing your own temperament. Are you impetuous? Are you cautious? And whichever your natural temperament, that isn't always the thing to do. If you're always Mr. Impetuous, sometimes you need friends to counsel you to slow down. If you're always Mr. Cautious, sometimes you need friends to say, really, it probably is time for you to do something about that. It's just wisdom. Consult with others. But don't be paralyzed. The risks of life are real. What happens if, what happens if, what happens if I dig a hole and I fall in it? Yes, yes, very good. What happens if I change job and the company goes, yes, yes. What happens if, I, if I'm honest, like God tells me to be, and it doesn't play well? Yes, who knows? Still the right thing to do. I would just get on with it. Leaders may be fools, risks may be real. Come on, we need to pick up the pace. Uh, talk may be cheap, verses 12 to 15. Talk may be cheap. Ironic. Uh, Twelve. <laughs> Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own folly. The wise man, his words are gracious. Most people use words, I guess, to get what they want. I want a cup of tea, I want whatever. We use our words to, to, to get. The, the wise man is gracious. He uses his words for the good of the hearer. Like God uses his words. For our good, the fool is consumed by his own lips. So negative, so ceaseless. Talks so much, he just eats himself up. Bizarre. Or verse 13. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, wicked madness. The trajectory here starts off with folly becomes wicked madness. Some people are just very confident about their own opinion. Fools multiply words. Verse 14. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? Oh, so in an uncertain world, a degree of humility is a good thing. You've got to have a degree of humility. Remember how James puts it, James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say tomorrow or today, we'll go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business and make money. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You ought to say, if, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this and that and such and such. And maybe sometimes some need to hear that quite carefully. Lots of people, it seems to me, have sort of five-year plans. a bit Stalin-esque, but don't worry about it. Five-year plans for their lives. Okay, I'm going to do this job for two years. I'm going to move to that job. I'm going to marry that person. And we're going to move to this part. And we'll have children on that date. And you can't plan life like that. And if you do, you'll, you'll just find it overwhelming. You've got to be realistic. You can't tie life down. That's a foolish thing to expect. Verse 15, the toil of fools wearies them. They don't even know the way to town. If you meet someone who talks a good game, but is practically useless, don't listen to them. The person who says, oh, I'm going to town. What do you mean? Oh, I'm going to Bristol at the weekend. Do you know where it is? No. Do you know where you get the train from? No. Do you know what time the trains go? No. Um, don't listen to them. Someone who can never organize anything is a fool. And so don't listen to their words. Look, talk may be cheap. 
and Saudis may have big golden cars. Extraordinary. Leaders may be fools. Risks may be real. Talk may be cheap. Just have a go. Last thing, briefly. Leaders may be idle or maybe negligent might be better. Verse 16, woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth, whose princes eat at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So here you've got leaders who are lazy and indulge in eating and drinking, and while they satisfy their own desires, the country deteriorates. So verse 18, through laziness, the rafters sag, I guess, of the nation, of the land. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Is a description of, well, the self-indulgent dictator, I guess. Or the self-indulgent politician just running things for his own life. What's happening in the country? Who cares? Verse 19, a feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. Money's the answer for everything. Mr. President, do you know this? The people are starving. Oh, just print more money. Just print more money and that'll sort it all out. He says, money, 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 money. We'll just throw some money at the problem. That'll... No, it won't. No, it won't. But verse 20, be careful how you protest. Do not revile the king even in your own thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom. A bird in the sky may carry your words. A bird on the wing may report what you say. So when you do encounter incompetence, be, just be careful how you protest. If you're David Cameron, you're a bit annoyed with Donald Trump, be careful before you say publicly he's divisive, stupid, and wrong because he might become someone important and you might have to eat humble pie. Just be careful how you protest is what he's saying. Okay, look. Leaders may be fools, risks may be real, talk may be cheap, leaders may be idle, but be bold. There are all sorts of uncertainties in this world. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? But be bold. Have a go. Chapter 11, verse 1. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. It's a trading metaphor. Of course it is. Send your goods overseas. After many days, they'll come back. Verse 2, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. It's probably saying you know, diversify your investments a little bit. But as much, the main point is have a go. Oh, should I, should I put my grain in a ship? The, the, the ship might go down. Uh, culturally, Jews were scared of the sea because it's a place of uncertainty. Oh, what happens? I, I could put my grain on a ship and there may be a shipwreck. Or, yeah, but look, verse 2, disasters can come on the land as well. Have a go. Invest. Speculate. Try and make some money. Try and be useful. Do something, is what he's saying. Verses 3 and 4, don't just stand there watching. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Oh, look at the sky. It might rain. Not going out. Oh, for goodness sake, it might rain. It's the UK. Of course it might rain. It's not Egypt, for goodness sake. It's going to rain at some point. Don't let that stop you. It might rain, for goodness sake. A tree might fall down, verse 4. Yes, it might fall down. You can't know. You can't stop the tree falling down. Don't be paralyzed by fear about what if. But what if, but what if, but what if. Verse 5, you can't know what God is doing as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb. So you cannot understand the work of God. 
the maker of all things. You don't know what God is doing always. So, so given that life is uncertain, what do you do? Verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. In an uncertain world, what do we do? Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. You don't know what will succeed. You don't know. There are risks everywhere. Every time you leave your house, it might be burgled. Every time you're on an airplane, it might come, it might fall down. Every time you cross the road, you might get hit by me on my bike or wherever it may be. There are risks everywhere. Oh, for goodness sake, have a go. Have a go. Get on with it. And let me try and apply that then, practically, for you and for me. I'm going to give you four things. Uh, we had read, uh, okay, four things. Okay, four, and then we're done. One, become a Christian. If you're not. We had read uh, uh, Matthew 7, where Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who puts them into practice. Excuse me, he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine who doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. Look, if you've been here for a few, a few weeks, you've been coming for a while, and you've listened, you think, I, there's much which is interesting. There's much which I think might be true in the Christian faith about Jesus. Well, put it into practice. Become a Christian. It's the most sensible thing you could do in an uncertain world. The future is uncertain. You don't know what happens tomorrow, nor do I, or next year, or five years, or ten years. But here's one thing that is absolutely certain. Jesus Christ is he's died to pay for sins of people like you and me. He's risen, he'll return, and he will rule over this world remade. That is certainty in an uncertain world. So if you find yourself, I don't know what to do when life is uncertain, well, the first thing to do is, is become a Christian. Then you have certainty. Certainty in eternity. You've never done so, trust him. Do it tonight. Come chat to me afterwards. Become a Christian. Second, for one and for all, look, celebrate Jesus. I read uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and there's lots about how negative people can be, how foolish rulers can be, and you think, well, how wonderful. You get these glimpses, don't you? Verse 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. There is no mouth more gracious than that of Jesus Christ, whose words are for our benefit. Who often we hear his words and think, oh, that's just wonderful. That's precisely what I needed to hear. How lovely. Other times we hear his words and think, ouch. Ouch. But that is what I needed to hear. You haven't said that for your benefit. You've said it for mine. There are no words more gracious. I mean, be thankful that we've got a king such as him. Or verse 17, blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Blessed is the one who has Jesus as their king, who knows they have a king, who does all things well. It is ruling over this world for good. That's wonderful. Celebrate Jesus. One, become a Christian. Two, celebrate Jesus. Three, be bold. 
and do not fear the future. I, I, I love chapters 11, verse 3 and 4. It's a whole lot. Yeah, but what if, 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 what if, what if, but what if this happens? And what if that, oh, who cares? You don't know the future. Have a go. Have a go. Or, as we'll see next week, obey. If you're stumbling over obeying Jesus, but what happens when I miss out if I obey Jesus in this? When I get, when I be found out, if I, if I tell honestly what's been going on here, won't, won't people dislike me for that? Oh, just do it. Have a go. Obedience is always the right thing. Don't be paralyzed by what ifs. Chapter 11, verse 6 is an enormous encouragement. We do not know what the future is, but be diligent and have a go. Get involved. Some activities work, some don't. Some decisions are great ones, some are not. But have a go. Once it's a, a tangent, but for myself, it is a pleasure and a joy to be involved in help lead a church where people are willing to have a go, where we try stuff. You think, should we have try two, two services in the evening? Yeah, let's do that. Did it work? Not really. Oh, well, stuff that. We'll try something else. It's fine. It's fine. Have a go. Failure is not attempting something and it not working. Failure is never trying anything. According to Ecclesiastes, have a go. One, become a Christian. Two, celebrate Jesus. Three, be bold. Four, sow seed. 11 verse 6, sow your seed in the morning. Look, that's true of life. Be busy. Don't waste your time. But in the Bible, sowing seed is most commonly the metaphor for sowing the word of God. And there is no better way to invest in eternity, which is certain, than sowing the word of God, telling people about Jesus. Oh, but maybe it's not the right time. But what if I tell them and, and they get annoyed with me and, and, and maybe later and, and maybe next time round and, uh, and maybe next month when I see them and not this month. Oh, just have a go. Sow some seed. The, one of the most liberating questions in the world is, what is the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Well, actually, quite a lot. No, oh, stuff it. Have a go anyway. <laughs> Sow some seed. Have a go. See, the very tempting thing in, in a life or in a world which is uncertain is to hug things tight. I'm going to hug my possessions tight. I don't want to do anything risk averse. Essentially, most people temperamentally love to hold on to nurse's hand. We like to hold nurse's hand because it's safe holding on to nurse's hand. We don't want to do the risky thing. And here the writer is saying, oh yeah, life is uncertain, but... But eternity is not. So invest in eternity. That is always the wise thing to do. Oh, at times that's hard. I take it when Jesus has known humiliation and persecution and a kangaroo trial, and death upon a cross. At that moment, he's not feeling particularly optimistic, if I can put it in those terms, if it's not irreverent. But he still says, look, I trust you, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Eternity is not uncertain. 
to invest, have a go, be bold with those things. In an uncertain world, yeah, be wise, be shrewd. Yes, of course, do, do some diligence, do some thinking, have a go. Invest in eternity. You cannot lose when you do that. Let's pray together. Our Father God, you know where uh, our hearts lie this evening. You know the different temperaments in this room. Some of us think, yeah, I love having a go. And we, we're never wise and we rush into scenarios. Many of us are, are far too nervous, far too anxious. Oh, I can't give any money. Oh, I can't possibly speak to anyone. Oh, I can't do anything which might be any sort of risk. Father, in an uncertain world, would we, oh, of course, plan, but then trust you trust you, and invest for eternity, we pray, for our good, for our pleasure, for that's how you've made us to live this life, for our good and for your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.